You're listening to a sermon of Meadowbrook Church in Ocala, Florida. For more media resources, visit us online at www.nbcocala.com. We're going to have a good time today. I've been waiting for this for a long time. Let me uh, cover a couple things with you before we launch into a brand new series this morning, uh, which I'm very, very excited about. First of all, every service, everybody say every service. After every service, I want to remind you that right up front here across the, the front altar, we have pastors and ministers, staff and laity that we have trained, that I have trained to simply pray with you. We believe here that prayer works. We believe here that prayer works. There's nothing that God cannot do. And there's a powerful uh, ways that we can tap into um, God's ability to help us. We believe that God is a healer of our bodies. We believe that he's not just the great physician. We believe he's the great psychiatrist. Uh, We believe he can fix marriages, that he can give answers. There's nothing that our God cannot do. And sometimes we just need to pray with somebody. And, and so that's what they're here for after every service. Now I want you to hear me out on this. Okay. And I know sometimes when we bump into tradition, people get a little, uh, but just hang on. If you read the Bible and I recommend it, if you read the Bible, follow the ministry of Jesus, follow the ministry of the apostles after Jesus left, you really don't find that praying for one another and everything is such a spectator sport. We've made it that. And so I want you to know, though, that after every service, people are getting prayed for. If you want hands laid on you, you want to be anointed with oil, we'll do, we'll do what the Bible says to do and agree with folks. But it doesn't mean that you can't pray for everybody in service. But, and we do that on occasion. About two months ago, we anointed on a Wednesday night 850 people with oil, you know. And so that's the way the Lord led on that night to do that. But, you know, sometimes in church world, we make some of those things a spectator sport. And, and really the Bible doesn't really point for us to do that. So just, just do these things. And sometimes I think people are a little hesitant, a little reticent to, you know, step forward because, you know, maybe you and your spouse, things are not good and you just need to drag yourselves up here, mad at each other and come up to somebody and say, our marriage is a mess. Would you pray for us? And believe that, that God will begin to work in that situation. But after every service, everybody say every service. After every service, I want you to know, we've got people, and I've told them, I said, don't, don't you even stand there if you don't have faith and you're not ready to do this. And to believe God. And it's a wonderful thing that God has given us to do. And so, you know, you may not see every service that, you know, we're, we're doing something that I would con- consider, you know, sometimes we make spectator sport. But I want you to know we believe in the power of God, the power of prayer, and that God is able and ready and willing. And we're ready to, to do our part in that after, after when? There you go, after every service. And so we've been doing that, but I just want to remind you of that. One other thing that I wanted to talk to you about, we're seriously thinking and praying about extending and changing our service times on Sunday morning so that we have a little more time with each of our services. So we can spread out a little bit more in praise and worship. That, uh, and we can take our time with a few other things and, and, and fully explore what, what the message would be. Uh, and so we're praying about strategically what, what amount of time, and we're not talking about, you know, five hour services, you know, people can't handle five hour services guaranteed by three and a half hours. They're either goofy or sleepy. Okay. So, um, 
you know, but we're, we're seriously thinking and praying about doing that. You'd be praying about that as well. And I believe it, it'd just give us a little more time for just a little greater impact. This is our time that we get to come together and do this. And, and it really, really will count. And plus when I go over on first service, you know, cause it's like, no, y'all haven't had dessert yet, you know, and, and I just can't cut that off sometimes. I, you know, physically, yes, I could. Uh, but then that creates problems for you folks coming in traffic wise and all. And so we've just, we've got to work on that a little bit. And, uh, I'm believing we'll, we'll find the right way to do that. And we'll announce that to you and starting the new year, we're going to have something awesome. Have you even know God's plan for us to take us from glory to glory? And I'm, I'm telling you what, I'm feeling it. I'm hearing it. I'm sensing it. So let's, let's go for it. Amen. Amen. Well, let's dive into this. I want to start out this series. First of all, it's entitled beyond ourselves. Everybody say beyond ourselves. Now, who am I talking to today? To you. So, but I want you to take this personally and individually. It's beyond me, beyond me, beyond myself. I, uh, that needs to be your attitude. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I was reading in, in the scripture and early in the morning and I was reading it and I wasn't reading it right because the Lord corrected me. He corrected me in this way. I believe he spoke into my heart and said this, stop reading scripture for somebody else. Cause I'm going through the Proverbs and some things and I've got some other people in mind, man. See, right. Yeah. Send that to your email real quick. You need to, you know, you know and you can do that, but guess who, who was there? It was just me and the Lord and his word. And I just felt a little holy correction. And I said, yes, sir stop reading for everybody else. Just, just you. And so today I want you to take this message for, for me, for you, that you take this and, and we're talking about going beyond ourselves. Now, the first thing I want to do is establish with great clarity, how good God is. Anybody, anybody up for that and how good he's been to you. So let's just read a little bit of scripture here. First of all, we're going to start out at Psalm 23. Now I know some, some churches reserve that only for funerals, but it's for the living. And it says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I love it in the Living Bible. It says, because the Lord is my shepherd, I have everything that I need. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. How many of you know your soul needs restored? Well, for the rest of you, your soul needs to be restored. That's your will, your intellect, your emotions, even includes your subconscious. It's where you think and feel and decide. And it's where you remember. And that area of just the travel and the weather of life, you've got to have your soul restored. Many of you, actually, if you were truthful with yourself and introspective for a little while, would probably put that on your Christmas list. I, you know, all I really want for Christmas is my soul restored. But here's the good news. The Lord, our shepherd, he restores my soul. Will you say that? He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through. Everybody say through. No camping out there, okay? Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Do you know what that means? In full view of those that would be against you, they got to watch God bless you. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely, 
goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. That, that follow actually has to do with the idea of to hunt down, to pursue. It's, it's just to doggedly go after something. Guess what? The goodness and mercy of God are hunting you down all the days of your life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's awesome. Let's read some other things. Psalm 29 verse 11. I love this verse. It said the Lord will give strength to his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. I'm going to try it again. The Lord will give strength to his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. Some of y'all need to write that verse down because I guarantee you tomorrow you're going to need strength and peace. And you need to realize I'm one of his people. And so, and realize the Lord will give strength to his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. Psalm 103 verse 1 and 2. I'm reading it from the New Living. It says, let all that I am praise the Lord with my whole heart. I will praise his holy name. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he does for me. Let me ask you real quick. Has he done any good things for you? Oh, come on. Has he done any good things for you? The other translations say, and forget not all his benefits. That word in the Hebrew also carries the idea of treatment. It's how he, how he treats you. And don't forget how good God has been to you. The good things he does for you. Psalm 68 verse 19. Blessed be the Lord who daily, when? Daily loads us with benefits. The God of our salvation, Selah, or stop and calmly think of that. He daily loads us with benefits. How many of you would be humble enough and honest enough to admit you've taken out, you've pulled out before without your load of benefits? And, and you don't need to be hauling empty. You know what I'm saying? That he loads us with benefits. This literally carries this idea that he daily loads us. It, it's carrying this idea. He daily loads us. He daily carries us and our load. God's been good to us. I said God's been good to us. And so first of all, today, before I can go any further in this message, you and I need to realize and understand how good God is to you. You need to start thinking about how good God is to you. Secondly, you need to know how blessed you are. Everybody say, God's good to me. Come on, say it again. God's good to me. Then say this, I am so blessed. And so when you realize and understand how good God is to you and how blessed you are, listen to me. I just got to be blunt with you here and stop whining and stop worrying. And the three C's of living in the body of Christ, don't compete, don't compare and don't complain. You know, sometimes, well, I'm, I'm not as blessed as they are. And if I only had that, no, no, you don't compete. You don't compare, you don't complain, you don't whine, you don't worry. You just realize God is so good to me and I am so blessed. And you've got to have that foundation before you can go anywhere with anything else. Y'all with me? I'm going to give an altar call. Let everybody repent and get all that right. So that we know God is so good to me and I am so blessed. Forgive me, but I'm going to make you say it again. God is so good to me and I am so blessed. And that needs to come out of your mouth every day. 
Let me go a little bit further. God loves you. None of you are accidents. None of you are afterthoughts. None of you are consequences. God loves you. He knew you before you were formed in your mother's womb. People make accidents. God does not make accidents. God loves you. And all that he did, he did for you. And he would have done it for you if you had been the only person there was. God made a way to save you, to rescue you, to provide for you, to protect you, to redeem you, to restore you, to guide you, to help you, to bless you. God has done all of that for you. You are the apple of his eye. And he's given you everything that you need for life and for godliness. God has been good to you. And you are so blessed. A lot of people, their attitude is this though. God is good to me. I'm so blessed. But. And you know what I call that. Being on the wrong side of the butt. You start out the other way. I got this going on and I need this and God, God's got to come through. I hope he's watching the clock. And this situation and that. But God is so good to me. And I am so blessed. You need to stay on the right side of the butt of that. So God is so good to you and you are so blessed. God is so good to me and I am so blessed. But I, I want to take you to the ultimate point though. It, it goes beyond you. And it, be, it goes beyond me. His goodness and his blessing does not just come to your life and then it just stops right there. It's not about doing something for you. It's not just about doing something, bringing something to you. It's about getting something through you. Beyond ourselves. So let's look at a few things here. The goal and the purpose of this message is to make sure that we all are looking at things the right way. That we're looking at things through the right lens, with the right attitude, with the right outlook. And you won't have the right lens, attitude, or outlook unless you line that up with Scripture. And Scripture is so complete on this. And I'm just going to grab a few things out of this this morning. First of all, the question is not just what God has done for you, God has given to you. Here's the real question. What are you doing with what God has given you? What are you doing with the gifts and the talents? What are you doing with the blessings you have? What are you doing with the abilities, with the, the, with the knowledge, with the resources? What are you doing with what God has given you? That's the real question. I want to put up two words here, and these are our words that you're going to walk away with today, knowing, knowing what we're talking about here today. But the first one, we've already talked about it, is blessed. Everybody say, I'm blessed. And if you're blessed, and you are, the second word is responsibility. Hey, it's a lot of pressure writing big words for a lot of people. These are the two big words 
And then let's put it in perspective here. You are blessed and you have responsibility. You are blessed. Anybody blessed? You are blessed and you have responsibility. You are blessed and you have responsibility. Let me move on with this. God saved you. Did you know that's the highest privilege? Some of y'all have been saved too long, I can tell. You've forgotten what it's like to not have peace. You've forgotten what it's like to not have hope. You've forgotten what it's like to not know who your savior, who your source is. You've forgotten what it was like to have your conscience eating you up. And not able to sleep because of the load you were carrying and the burden you were carrying. And because you were going on wrong paths all the time and incurring the damage of going in the wrong direction. Some of y'all have forgotten about how good God has been to you. He saved you. Anybody saved around here? It's the highest privilege. It's the greatest miracle going on. And if you haven't received it, you can receive it. It's a free gift from God. And before the service is over, I'm, I'm going to tell you how. That Jesus is knocking at the door with a gift for you. That he wants to save. It's the greatest thing. It's the greatest thing. It's the greatest thing for life. You think life as a Christian is being hard? You try finishing life not being a Christian. Not being a believer. And then here's the real deal. One day life's over. And I don't care how good you are at stacking things up. Juggling things. Deferring things. And and so forth. I don't care how good you are at that. When life is over. You need a savior. You need a savior now. You need a savior then too. For sure. And it's the greatest thing going. He saved you, which is the highest privilege. But now our work continues. And here's the work that he's fixing us up. Is he fixing you up? He's fixing me up. I got fixed up here this week. And, and he's fixed me up in way, 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 way beyond that. But he saved us. And now he's fixing us up. Why? So that he can use us. Guess what? That's the second highest privilege. Is to be used of God. And I like, I like those high privileges of being saved and being used of God. We've talked about it around here for 21 years now. The purpose of a blessing. We're blessed so that we can. A little more gusto here. We're blessed so that we can. So we can be a blessing. What am I saying? I'm saying that if you're blessed, you have responsibility. If you're blessed, I'm not blessed so I can be blessed. And join a bless me club. We're blessed to be a blessing. If we're blessed, we have responsibility. If you've been blessed with anything, you got responsibility. If you got a great smile, smile. I mean, if he's given you that, whatever he's given you, you got to use it. If he's giving you a smile, smile. If he's giving you a good voice, sing. If he didn't give you a good voice, smile. But if he's given you anything, if he's done anything for you, if he's blessed you, whatever it would be, you have a responsibility. We're blessed to be a blessing. Scripture says, to whom much is given, much is, much is required. Luke twelve forty eight. To whom much is given, much is required. Now, this is written in such a way, it's future passive indicative. And it re- really means this. When we add that to this verse here, to whom much is given, much is required. It means that the requirement accompanies the possession. The, the, 
requirement accompanies the possession. To whom much is given, I possess something, much is required. So the requirement is going to accompany the possession, which means this. As long as I have the possession, there's a requirement that goes with it. As long as you have that animal, you're going to have to feed it and care for it. As long as you have that car, you're going to have to keep insurance on it. You're going to have to maintain it. You're going to have to keep guessing. Y'all, y'all get what I'm saying? So who much is given, much is required. So the requirement accompanies the possession. So whatever God has given you, as long as you have it, do you want to keep it? As long as you have it, there's a responsibility that goes with it. Let's go a little bit further. Jesus said, freely you have received, freely freely give. That's in Matthew 10, 28. Freely actually means undeservably. You didn't deserve it. It's literally saying, give as freely as you have received. Has anyone ever given you some time and it meant a lot? You need to give some time to somebody. Has anyone ever helped you out financially? You need to help somebody out. Have you gained any wisdom in life? You need to give that wisdom to somebody. Is there something you can do? Is there something that you have? Is there something that you know? Is there a connection you know? Is there a better way to do something? Is there something you can put your back into? Is there something that you can encourage somebody with? Freely you received. Freely give. If you're blessed, you have a responsibility. Y'all with me? All right, now stay here. First Timothy chapter 6, verse 17 and 18. I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation. It starts out this way. Teach those who are rich in this world. Teach those who are rich in this world. In other translations, it reads this way. Command or charge or order those that are rich in this world. And you say, well, good. I'm not rich in this world. One of the blogs that I subscribe to, Christian blog, let me read this to you. It says, if you're reading this blog entry, you're most likely a Christian because it's Christian blog. (laughs) Whose life has been purchased by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. You're also likely relatively wealthy, probably because you're on a computer, at least compared to most people living in the world. If you have the ability to eat three times per day. And have shelter over your head, you're better off than the majority of people in the world. If you earn $25,000 per year, you are in the richest 10% of the world's population. You are rich. If in fact you earn, get ready for this, $2,200. That's $42 a week. That's $6 a day. If you only earn $6 a day, you're in the richest 15%. Of the world's population. You didn't hear me. If you only made six bucks a day. You're in the top 15% of the world's population. You're rich in this world. And if you're reading this, you're literate. And likely have had several years of education. If, If so, you've received more education than hundreds of millions of people around the world. And I could go on and on and on. But let me just suffice it to say this. You are rich in this present world. Now, you didn't hear me, and I'm not not playing church today. Listen to me. You are rich in this world, and you are blessed, and you have responsibility. Let's go a little bit further here. 
Teach those, back to 1 Timothy, teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God, who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. I'll come back to that. Tell them to use their money to do good, that they should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. Notice it said, teach, order, command, charge people. Why? Well, let me just tell you, I'm, go- I'm doing that right now. I'm commanding you that are rich in this world. Don't bristle up at me. I'm just doing what the Bible says to do here. I'm commanding you to do this. Why did the Bible tell us to do good works and to be ready to share? And, and why do we have to be commanded? I'll tell you why we have to be commanded. Because we don't naturally drift into generosity. We drift into me and mine. We drift into selfishness. Children have to be told to stop being selfish. One of the first things they say besides blah, blah. Is mine. I can remember having to split things with my sister. Give your sister half. I ain't give no half. I'll take three fifths. But if mom caught me, guess who got three fifths? She did. We have to be taught. We have to be told. We have to be reminded that when you're blessed, you have responsibility. When you're blessed, you have responsibility. Y'all still here? Romans 15, verse 1 through 3 in the Message Bible. Those of us who are strong and able in the faith need to step in and lend a hand to those who falter and not just do what is most convenient to us. I love this next phrase. Strength is for service, not status. Each one of us needs to look after the good of the people around us, asking ourselves, how can I help? How can I help? That's exactly what Jesus did. That's exactly what Jesus did. Now, let me go back to the previous verse too. Notice it said that God has given us richly all things to enjoy. If you're blessed, anybody here blessed? It better be every hand by this point in this message. If you're blessed, guess what? What you're blessed with, enjoy it. Enjoy it. If God has blessed you with, with things and family or whatever he's blessed, enjoy it. You should not be embarrassed. You not, should not be ashamed. You should just point out the goodness of God. The blessing. My, you have such a nice this or that or wow. Or what. You know, it's the blessing of God. It's the blessing of God. It's the blessing of God. Not, well, you know, I've been quite successful and I'm pretty sharp. And, you know. <laughs> it's the goodness of God. It's the blessing of God. And enjoy it. Whoa. That went over the edge there. That would not be good. Uh, a number of years ago, 10, 15 years ago, a guy who's pretty heavily involved in missions, but I think his priorities were a little goofy, came to me one day and he said, you're wrong. And I said, okay, about, about what? He says, you have more than one suit. And I said, well, I'm a pastor. He goes, well, I know missionaries that don't even have a suit. I said, well, missionaries probably don't need a suit. Probably don't want a suit. I said, if you give me their names, I'll send them some suits. But the thing was, I said, for what? You, you can't apply that across the board. You know, and if you're blessed in one area or whatever, you, you, can't, you can't compete, compare, complain. You can't do all of that. But whatever God has blessed you with, you don't have to be embarrassed of that. You can enjoy it. 
But give credit where it goes. The blessing of God, the blessing of God. The fact we live in this home or we can eat this meal or we get to go there. That's the blessing of God. That's the blessing of God. God's been good to me. You can enjoy it, but come back to scripture. I'm going to command you. You better be rich in good works. You better be willing to share. You realize that your blessing brings responsibility with you as with it as well. You're blessed. That means things get to you. But the responsibility is those things have to also get through you. Folks, we live this Christian life is a one another life. Everybody say one another. This is a one another life. This is a one another book. 87 times in the New Testament, one another. Love one another. Be patient with one another. Forgive one another. Pray for one another. Bear with one another. Encourage one another. Comfort one another. Listen to me. We live in a one another life. This is a one another book. This is a one another call. This goes beyond me and mine. This goes beyond ourselves. That what God has blessed you with, you have responsibility to be a blessing to other people. Listen, in its time and its love and its talent and its resources, wouldn't you like to be blessed to the point that financially even blessed to the point that if you saw somebody going in need that you could meet the need? Or you could avert the misfortune of somebody. Or there's some great project for the kingdom of God that needs to happen. And you could go and fund it. I want to be blessed financially because I think I know what to do with it. And I tell you what, my wife and I, the entire time we've been married, there were times where we hardly had anything of our own. God would move on us, buy diapers for that couple. Go deliver a ham. And we did it secretly to this family that had like, A bunch of kids. And we went and bought a ham and put it on their door and rang the doorbell and ran, you know. And and we 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 did it just because God put in our heart to do it. I'd like to do bigger things than that. I'll tell you, wouldn't it be wouldn't it be great if the body of Christ had their act together and were truly blessed and living out the responsibility and and you'd find precious people and they had such a need to say, you know what, honey, you're not gonna lose your house. Because I'm going to help you. We are going to help you. We're going to, wouldn't it be great to just be that way? But we've got to fulfill our responsibility. And I think God is looking, God's resources are unlimited. He's looking for some folks he can trust who will stand up and take the responsibility of whatever gifts you've given me. I'm going to use, I'm going to be aware of one another. If you've got faith, use faith. If you know how to pray, pray. If you can bake a pie, bake a pie and go smile at somebody and give it to them. Go reach out, look at the people around you and say, how can I help? Sometimes that in itself is huge. You're in a situation and somebody just said, there's anything I can do. Just that in itself helps to prop you up just a little bit. We're blessed. I said, we're blessed. And we've got responsibility. Every one of us, every one of us. Now, let me kind of wrap this up here this morning. See, this is why we need more time in the morning service. Right, right there. Right there. In 2 Kings, the army of Syria has besieged Samaria. King of Israel is in Samaria. Besieged actually means that you surround to cause surrender. 
You bring such great force and threat. They're so surrounded, they're going to have to surrender. So they besieged Samaria. They've cut off their supply lines. They've intercepted all the supplies. And there is now full-blown, incredible famine going on to such a point that they're selling at a premium at the local Sumerian Winn-Dixie. Donkey's head. You ready for part two? Dove droppings. And that people would pay high price. It's written right there in scripture. So all this is going on and there's four lepers. There are more lepers than four for the size of city. But these four probably banded together. They're outcasts living on the outskirts. They're watching all this go on. This incredible Syrian army has come and besieged, surrounded Samaria. They're watching all this going on. And these guys live on the leftovers of the people in the city. And they're watching this going on. They can't really go in the city. They're just just kind of there. Nobody's going to really mess with them as lepers. You understand what a leopard is and, and what the disease does. They actually lose parts of their body. It's a horrible, horrible, horrible thing. And it's still in the earth today. And so they're not in good shape at all. And, and I chuckled yesterday. When I read this was reading over it again. And here's what the four lepers said. Why are we sitting here until we die? And I kind of pictured in my mind, why are we sitting here? You know, these guys had probably some broken lawn chairs. Probably made their little base, you know. And they're sitting there and they're going, guys, why are we sitting here until we die? Here's our options. And I thought of a great drama we could, we could do, but we're, it's just me this morning. Why are we sitting here until we die? Here's our options. We can go into the city, but they're in famine. There's no food there. We'll die. And if we go to the Syrians and surrender to them, if they keep us alive, we live. And if they kill us, and here's what scripture said, we shall only die. So they thought about it for the rest of the afternoon. And then it says at twilight and twilight means it is dark and now it's cool. They decided, let's go turn ourselves into the Syrians, see what happened. So these guys start, and you got to remember, they've lost body parts. They need each other to get around. They're, in, they're not in good shape. And they head toward the camp of the Syrians. And when they arrive there, guess what? Nobody's home. Everybody's gone. And the scripture says that the Lord had caused a sound to come into the camp of the enemy. It sounded like multiple armies had joined together with the great chariots and Black Hawk helicopters and <laughs> had caused this sound to come. And you know what? Listen to me. The enemy can, uh, the Lord can make all kinds of noise in the camp of your enemy as well. Or they think they're hearing things. And it may have been, I don't know if he magnified somehow the sound of these guys helping each other get across. I don't know. But it caused such a noise, it created such fear that it says the Syrians ran for their lives and left everything there. And now here's the lepers. They've got everything. You know, when I was a kid, I used to have this fantasy, this dream of getting locked in the mall. (laughs) Having the whole mall to myself all night. And when I was a kid, Sears used to have this big candy section, you know, and they had scooped candy and put it in a bag. And I thought, man, it'd be, just be awesome just reach in there, go jump on beds, go play with toys, do all kinds of stuff. Turn on all the TVs, you know, do, just 
And guess what? These lepers are now in the mall. And they start eating and eating and snacking and stacking stuff up. And we, I'm going to keep this. And I'm going to take this and start inventorying all their spoils and snacking some more. And then all of a sudden in 2 Kings 7 verse 9, they said this. And get this. Get this. They said, we are not doing right. This is a day of good news. And we remain silent. In the New Living Translation, it says this. This is not right. This is a day of good news, and we aren't sharing it with anyone. I love it in the message. It says, we shouldn't be doing this. This is a day of good news, and we're making it into a private party. You know what? They suddenly realize we're so blessed. We've got a responsibility. We're so blessed. We've got a responsibility. Listen to me. Your blessings, you can enjoy. But if you want real joy in your life, you got to pick up the responsibility of this. Now, let me just finish with this. You're blessed. Everybody say, I'm blessed. And say, I have responsibility. I'm telling you, you need to look yourself in the mirror when you get home and say, God has been so good to me. And I am so blessed, but don't stop there. And then look yourself in the mirror and say, but I have responsibility. And God will order your steps and God will show you as you're going through life. You don't just have to carelessly, uh, carelessly just give away everything and just do this and run yourself ragged. God will strategically show you how he wants to use you, how he wants to pour out your life. He will show you as you're going along. You don't need to find every need that you can just in your path alone. God will wake you up and start to show. If your attitude is, I'm so blessed. And God, I have a responsibility. You show me how I can help, where I can help. He'll begin to show you how to do that. Let me conclude with this. In Acts chapter 3, Peter and John are going to the temple at the hour of prayer. And as they approach the gate of the temple beautiful, there's a man. He's over 40 years old, Acts 4.22 says. He's been lame since his mother's womb. Every day he's been laid there. Sat there. Somebody had to carry, <clears throat> carry him there and put him there by the gate. And he would beg for his subsistence. And he's begging. And Peter and John just stopped. And they said, look at us. They said, we don't have any silver and gold. But what we do have. We give you. And if you'll just take what you do have. And give it, it will be a miracle in somebody else's life. And they, they said, here's what we do have. We have faith in the name of Jesus. A couple chapters later after they'd been arrested because this guy got healed. <clears throat> he was walking and leaping and praising God. What would you do? If for over 40 years your legs did not work and suddenly your legs and ankle bones had strength and you could walk. Bro, I would floor it, walk, leap, praise God, make some noise. And they said, and they got called in in front of the authorities and the religious people and said, how did you do this? And they said, you know, we don't know anything and we're not from anywhere, but this is all we have. And this is how it happened that that man who was lame for 40, over 40 years, faith in and use of the name of Jesus. And folks, if you just have faith in and the use of the name of Jesus, 
There's coworkers, there's friends, there's family members, there's neighbors. You can just say, I'm going to be praying for you. Expect God to work in your life, your marriage, your finances, your body. Expect. Say, I'm going to pray. Such as I have, I give you. Whatever it would be. Maybe it's your smile. Maybe it's an encouraging word. I probably had a dozen, two dozen notes, emails, Facebook messages just around Thanksgiving of people saying, I'm so thankful that somebody told me about Meadowbrook Church. Maybe that's all you have is to say, come to my church. Maybe there's something that you know, something that you have, something that you can do. The bottom line is this, and I got to stop. Is you're blessed. Everybody say, I'm blessed. And you have a responsibility so that we can live beyond ourselves. Did you get anything at all out of this today?